Our sponsor today is none other than our Patreon members. You folks are bringing swords and HEMA to listeners worldwide, so thank you. To support our work and receive exclusive benefits, visit patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. Welcome to By the Sword, where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. This is the final episode of podcast season one, where I talk to Kat Fanning of New York, USA. We talk about the Lord of the Rings, burnout, and her tenure as president of the HEMA Alliance. The interview was recorded 14 February 2021. Yeah. Happy Galentine's. I know, I... I, I put on red lipstick just for my just for my Femme Galentine's Day. We planned this date months ago, so <laughs> Yeah, <finally>. exactly. <laughs> well my plan was I've got a little I'm sat at a little round table. I was gonna put a tablecloth and candles and, and wine and everything, but well here, we're here and that's the main yeah. thing. Um so Exactly. Yeah, I already um I already ate my macarons that I got for <laughs> Valentine's Day. Those are already gone, so I was gonna eat those now, but what, what time they're already is it where gone. You are? Uh, it's uh, one p.m. Okay, so, so one in the afternoon. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's the evening here in the UK. So you're based where? Um, I'm actually in New Jersey. Um, right outside okay. New York City. Cool. Yeah. Um, j- j- just to say that, yeah. folks, this is the very last live stream of the season. Um, ending it on valentine's day uh it wasn't planned but that's what that's how it's worked out uh, yeah <laughs> we, we love swords and uh <laughs> yeah and so like this is the very last um live stream that i'll be doing i i don't know where it is it's 60 something yeah save the best for last says katie so uh <laughs> so this is the very last one i started back in april 2020 i had no idea it would get this far um it will be coming out as a podcast tomorrow on on all major platforms so listen to it then if you don't have the uh if you're not able to listen to it all of it today um so let's start out by asking you Kat uh how did you discover sword fighting sure yeah and uh again thank you for Thank you for doing this podcast. It's it's honestly been such I, I I like I just go on to Spotify and I listen to it when I can and it's fantastic, and it is really so so empowering and so needed for our community. So You're thank you for welcome. doing this. I've, I've absolutely had an absolute blast <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, just to, just yeah. quickly uh, add on that um, it uh, isn't uh, over. Uh, that's just season one. Yep. Right. <laughs> so I've got season yep. two planned to start um, in the spring, and I'll be doing an announcement about the next uh, bunch of interviews that I'll be doing with a different theme uh, in in, a, in about oh. a week or so. So look out for that. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> uh, so yeah, how did how did you discover sword fighting, Cat? Yeah, um, and it actually it 
it happened in the spring of 2014. Um, I was looking for a new hobby um, that uh, I would have the opportunity to kind of feel empowered and um, actually really focus on strength and uh, improving my mind and body. Um, there was, you know, a time immediately before that, uh, a couple of traumatic events happened. And so I really just needed to find something that, you know, kind of met those requirements. You know, I could, I could hang out with new people, meet friends, um, really just feel something heavy. Uh, like I was doing a little bit of boxing and weightlifting. And then I randomly came across this, um, mm -hmm. a Groupon for sword class yeah. NYC. And um, I went, uh, you know, I bought the three class introduction and I went um, to a weird smelly ballet studio uh, up in Midtown. <laughs> and I, I fell in love. Um, like I've, I've always been a huge nerd, like a huge Tolkien fan. Um, and so I just sword yeah. felt right to me. It, and there, there hasn't been, so far there hasn't been like any weapon or form of practice that I haven't thoroughly enjoyed. So I'm just going to keep it going forever. Forever, So uh, would you say, would you say yeah. that uh, HEMA sword fighting is a great form of stress relief? It is. Yeah, it definitely is. It is in the way that, um, you know, you're not just kind of exerting energy on another person. You're not... Um, but you, you, it requires a lot of focus and a lot of paying attention and a lot of um, like body correction in a way that I've found, you know, even sorting and yoga yeah. go together. Sorry, <laughs> so. I something there. Sorry, oh, the <laughs> <A little> one. <laughs> That's all right. I'm, I'm actually like keeping okay. an eye out for my cats who yeah. always join as well. That's Those are my children. That's what cats so. do though. <laughs> attention is focused on something and children are the same they're like your focus yeah. isn't on me bring it back to me yeah uh, exactly so yeah, uh, yeah. yoga uh is uh is a yeah. fun, uh, strangely enough i think the link between like yoga and hema that people don't often the connection people don't make it is yep. that mindfulness that hema demands from you which mm -hmm. is also very prevalent in hema it's that form consciousness that proprioception that awareness of, of what your body's doing um it's yeah I, I think you know we exactly. could probably scour a lot of hema fans from the yoga scene if, if we tried um yeah yeah it's you know and checking in with your body you know does this connection feel correct um that was you know when you're practicing with another person does that you know did that move feel right or did it feel weird <laughs> check in with your body as the yoga instructors check say in with your body and, and and you mentioned Tolkien. Uh, that's that's a theme mm -hmm. that has been running through yeah. all of these uh, these interviews. Everyone mentions not 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 necessarily oh, yeah. just the books, but in particular the films captured a lot of people's imagination. Like people who were in their early twenties now um, were little little kids when mm -hmm. um, this was all when those movies were were uh, at their peak. Um, yeah. I, I remember. Um, uh, Yoey Hopfgartner saying that she and her sister would ride their horses into the woods and pretend that they were the Rahiram and stuff like this. Is there any particular yeah. scene in, in any of the movies or in any of the books that really 
sticks with you that made you think, I really wish I could pick up a sword and... I mean, <laughs> everything that Aragorn yeah. is in, yeah, specific, very specifically. Um, it's And actually, in I think it was in 2015, uh, Rebecca Glass and I presented at a wow. Tolkien conference um, to kind of tie Hema into uh, Lord of the Rings, and um, it was maybe the most amazing thing that I've done. It's on well, the internet somewhere. It. What was it? it? What it's did you do? Still... What did you say? What was yeah. the thing? <laughs> um, I actually don't even remember that well. <laughs> um, but we were making, we were making connections to um, uh, like I, the actual descriptions of the weapon, weaponry in, in Tolkien's writings um, and, you know, kind of the swords of Hema and also uh, the swords in the film. Um, and it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> and it was, it was so much fun. Um, you know, I'd never really, like, who would have thought to just have, I would have never, I'm, I'm such an introvert. I would have never, ever, ever just thought to myself, like, yeah, I, I should present at a conference about, about Hema and Tolkien. Like, I should do that. I would have never done that without Rebecca. <laughs> just kind of. Saying, yeah, we yeah, should do this. <laughs> like, let's just do this. Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny how the Lord of the Rings, like the uh, seminal fantasy novel, has just inspired so much passion and lit a flame in so many people's minds about uh, something very yeah. non whimsical, very real, very grounded in facts uh like yep. like Hema like it the whole point of Hema is it's not made up it's real here's yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 the yeah. evidence it's like the, the whole kind of concept around it is we are not yeah. making we're not making shit up we're actually doing the real thing as much as close to the real thing as we can get and yet there's this parallel with a completely yep. made up world um culture and so forth because of course, Tolkien took a lot of his references yeah. from real world, uh, romantic, yeah. um, cultural um, notions and put them into his world. And mm -hmm. I guess he's kind of like concentrated all that, that cool stuff that gets us fired up about yeah. the past, like the romanticized versions of the past. Because like, of course, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a Tolkien scholar, but as I understand it, his world yeah. middle earth was like his imagined britain like an imagined yeah version of, of of our country and and how it was once upon a time and its own made up mythology yeah. kind of thing um yeah i mean he created he created a world just from his head uh you know based on what was happening around him and i mean some of hema we do kind of makeup as we're going along uh you know it, it was a dead yeah kind of a dead art for a little bit there um but you know again we're kind of creating it and running with it and just making our own it's little world elaborate LARP, as someone said <laughs> like a really really yes. elaborate nerdy LARP. um yeah so um you mentioned the smelly ballet studio uh tell us about yeah. Uh, your club and uh, 
how it runs and what how it started. Yeah, um, so I started in, um, I started as part of NIFA, the New York Historical Fencing Association. Um, and that was uh, their New York City branch. Um, and so it was um, Tristan yeah. Zukowski. And it was um, just like this little studio um, that we rented space in Midtown. Um, and then it, it kind of, we, we also had the branches uh, in upstate New York and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. Um, and it just like the club grew so much. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so yeah, I, I stayed with it for basically until, um, until sword class, um, and NIFA moved to their Harlem location. And then it was pretty difficult for me to get to. Um, so I, I had to kind of just practice by myself in, in New Jersey and, um, we got a, a few friends um, who were part of that school over here in New Jersey together. Um, there were just, I think, three or four of us at the time. And so Dan Halliday uh, created Liberty Sword Club. And so we've been practicing um, together. I mean, I haven't been lately, but uh, we've been practicing together since kind of since that Harlem move where it was. Uh, it was really, it's really difficult to get to from New Jersey. <laughs> Do you have any kind of administrative is, role in either of the clubs that you belong to? Any sort of organizational part in either of those? What was yeah. your role? Uh, yeah, I, that is, that is like, in Liberty, I am like the, the office person to help with, uh, <laughs> with everything they need. Uh, anything Dan needs, I, I make website, I... <laughs> Um, you know, I, I put together uh, making sure that people have insurance. Um, and then at for NIFA, I was always kind of just um, a student assistant, a student instructor, not a student instructor, just a, a really informal role. Um, you know, I had always wanted to be an instructor um, and I just it never had the opportunity. I didn't place the rank uh, appropriately in NIFA. Um, but, you know, I know that if if I told Dan tomorrow, I want to be an instructor, he'd be like, let's do this. Let's figure this out. Let's make this work. You said it now. So, it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I know. Ah, maybe once it's the mad. snow melts. I'm not a big I snow fan. Ah. Uh, yeah. But I was always, you know, I've I've run tournaments. I've organized tournaments. And so I've always been kind of one of those, one of those like backstage people that just yeah. makes shit run. Does it does it, is yeah. it come because you enjoy doing it or because someone needs to do it or you just want it to happen or yes to all of the above? I think yeah. all of the above, yeah, is, um, you know, sometimes it's just someone needs to do it. And, uh, you know, I do enjoy, I do enjoy organizing things. It, it does bring me happiness to make sure that everything runs on time. Uh, and that people are participating and feel included. Um, and other times it's like, I'm just the last one standing in musical chairs. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm, I just kind of say F it. It's, it's, it's going to be a benefit and a boon to the community. And so those kind of things I'm always happy to be a so part of. So tell us about some of the events that you've organized. 
Yeah. Um, so there was, um, you know, there was the event in Toronto that was canceled Gosh. last year, uh, which we're very sad about, which is going to be, you know, the first, the first in Toronto, which hopefully will happen in the next year because I love Kimmy and I'm I can't amazed wait to, there's been no to organize with her. It's such a big major city. It's, it's a strange one. Well, it's, we were, it was like, you know, there was a lot, there was going to be a lot of people traveling um, out of, mm. from out of the country, especially here in New York. We were trying to get everyone up to Toronto and it was just, you know, with lockdowns and everything, it's yeah. just another time. Not safe, but yeah, I couldn't believe that there really hadn't been much in Toronto. There, there were some. There was. There's been tournaments in Quebec. Yeah. I just haven't made it up there, but yeah, there will be. <laughs> so you've organized. <laughs> what kind of events have you organized? Um, so I uh, I helped to organize the um, Long Point Historical Fencing League. Um, tournament here in, in New York City um, two or three years ago uh, and that was uh, that was with um, NIFA um, so that was a lot of fun um, and that was kind of a um, you know we had a, a venue change at the last minute really oh I've, I've <laughs> so been we had there. to run a new venue a for hundreds of people <laughs> um, and then uh, you know, I've I've always helped out um, with Tanya's tournaments. Anything that Tanya does is I'm I'm always happy to support her. So when yeah. you're organising an event, do you very much focus on the running of things, or do you ever p allow yourself to participate as well? Um, I'm not usually a participant when I'm organising. Um, yeah, I I actually haven't. Now that I think about it, there was uh, there was the tournament in Upstate. No, I haven't ever participated. Um, I am always mm. delegating. Like always I'm always delegating. delegating stuff. <laughs> but it's <laughs> yeah, I'm always pointing people and like I need volunteers now. Uh, but I've never really organized it, I guess, well enough to be able to participate. And it's it's honestly it's it's kind of a uh, an yeah. additional stressor that I. I would feel kind of impedes my performance. So, and I'm, I'm not the best fencer. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not the best. So I'm always happy that, you know, I'll take a backseat to this one. Um, I'll get to, I'll get to play in the next one. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One day. Okay, it'll be my eventually turn. now. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, we are just coming up to half past the hour. Uh, I just want to say to the mm -hmm. folks who are watching, there's five of you at the moment, people are dipping in and out, but if you have any questions for Kat, uh, just drop them in the questions box at the bottom of the screen. Uh, preferably, yeah, if you press the button at the bottom of the, your phone that looks like a question mark in a speech bubble, you can pop a question in there. We can open it up and we can read it out uh, and answer it. Um, so the next thing I wanted to ask you, Kat, was uh, what are your special interests? So what I, I'm assuming it was Longsword that you started out with when you joined NIFA and, and again in Liberty. Yep. What was it? What is it that you study? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's primarily um, Lichtenauer mm -hmm. Longsword. Um, 
I'm also uh, a huge fan of oh, yeah. Messer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and um, I'm thinking about buying myself a rapier this year for my birthday because rapier, I know, it's always, it's just something I've always wanted to do. And I've never really just, I've just never given myself the opportunity. So I think rapier is on the horizon for this year. Some great rapier fencer teachers out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so is it is it uh, early Lichtenauer, early KDF that you've mainly focused on? Yeah, yeah. And that's, um, I know there's, you know, there's, Dan's been, I think he's been messing with uh, some other interesting sources, but it's it's predominantly just early Lichtenauer. And if you were, if Dan, if Dan yeah, was to wave his boring. magic wand tomorrow and go, bing, you're an instructor now. What would, what would you teach? Um, actually, so I was an instructor. I, I moonlit as an instructor for a hot minute uh, with yeah. Tanya <laughs> at a fancy Upper East Side cool. women's club. And uh, we taught, um, it was a fitness class. So it was uh, like fit, fencing fitness. And so she spent 30 minutes teaching... Um, uh, just fencing and then I spent 30 minutes teaching conditioning and um, I actually think you know I would actually like to focus a little bit more on conditioning aspect of fencing um, so that would be something that I would be interesting in teaching specifically you know there's there's lots of longsword instructors and there's lots of ways to teach longsword um, but if you do not have the muscle groups or if you're not training those muscle groups specifically, uh, it leads to a lot of uh, shoulder injuries, which I have. <laughs> so, you know, I wish someone had been there yeah. to teach so, me that. So the conditioning stuff <laughs> so, that you would be looking into, would that be, I'm guessing, like injury prevention, that kind of thing, the idea? Or what yeah. kind of stuff have you yep. found beneficial to you to prevent injuries? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, so... Cardio is always helpful to me, um, and when uh, all of my gains are gone, but when I was weightlifting, uh, you know, focusing on those kind of um, heavy, heavy long endurance um, stretches of, uh, of working out and um, specifically targeting the tendons in your shoulders, like your rotator cuff, which everyone always forgets about. Um, and I actually have uh, hyperflexible joints, so I have to work on keeping the muscles so that actually right. everything stays in. And so, you know, helping people train those ways, um, the very tiny muscles that you just forget exist, um, everyone's yeah. forearms, <laughs> tennis elbow, let's, let's, let's yeah. stop getting tennis elbow, <laughs> you know, uh, three I, months I, in. I, I've been asked this question recently, actually, and people will say, what are the most common injuries in HEMA? And they think it's broken fingers and bruises and, and uh, black eyes. It's, like, it's not, it's tendonitis. Nope. <laughs> yep. It is absolutely like just numb arms, just numb. You just, we wake up and you're like, you just have dead arm um, from overworking Training. and from, you know, all the, all those fun tendons. Uh, and actually, you know, knee injuries a lot too, is those, it just takes a slip. You gotta, you gotta train those knees to stay it in place. It's chronic, 
it's the chronic injuries that are the most debilitating it's not like you know you get a yeah. broken finger whatever you, you'll get over that in a few weeks and you can carry on but it's the stuff that just yeah people keep re-injuring and then and like I've, I've known a few people who've had to give yep. up longsword entirely because of rotator cuff tears and things like that and then yep. have to either quit HEMA or just change tack and pick a different weapon that doesn't aggravate that part of the body um yeah yeah exactly it's, it's difficult when it's the thing that you love and you want to do it a lot it's it's how to do it in a smart way that isn't gonna mean that you can't do that thing anymore because you've damaged yourself doing it um yeah exactly and even you know i know it sounds weird but tr- like conditioning and training to be ambidextrous is 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 more helpful than than i would have thought it was is i actually um, so I, I, I have been an instructor to my husband right. who's a lefty. And so to practice, I have to be a lefty and actually it's because of injuries. Sometimes it helps to be a lefty. Um, and so, you know, the, the that very, um, balanced approach to conditioning and training is like, yes, just do that. Just be safe. Everyone. I, I, te- I teach one handed weapons and, um, the number of times yep. I've had to say to someone, just go left-handed and, and, and really convince them it's worth it um, because they said, yeah. oh, no, they, they've, they've done themselves a mischief. They've injured their wrist or they've injured their forearm. I mean, it doesn't happen hugely, but it's just when it does happen, you have to say, yeah. to, you have to really convince that person to go left-handed. They're like, oh, but then it's like starting all yep. over again. It's like, it's better than not doing it at all. Seriously exactly i'll recover (laughs) and then i'll and then i'll come back but it's like all the time you're not training your brain your brain is engaged you're not training your brain your arms forgotten your muscles have forgotten everything like you can do stuff with your left hand it's just it's weaker your brain knows what to do yeah it's going to be weaker and it's going to yeah it's going to fatigue faster but your mind knows knows what to do so and then if you know if you do it for a long amount of time while your right hand is is recovering if you're right-handed obviously it's the other way around if you're left-handed by the time you come back Mm -hmm. to be able to use that you'll be you'll be like you know be like princess bride you can swap hands and exactly completely flummox your opponents and it just makes you such a much better fencer uh, than just quitting and then because like often if people have huge gaps then often they don't come back at all um yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah, I've I've had a, a non-associated HEMA injuries, and um, it just yeah, it takes you a while to get back. So if there's those little things that you can do in the interim, um, mm. it's just better. <laughs> it keeps you more engaged. It's a, it's a very unspoken topic, isn't it? The the injuries that we all sort of sustain that build up over time, and they keep yeah. coming back, and you. And you get your yep. uh, yeah, shot or whatever, and it goes away, and then it comes back worse, and it's just like hmm, maybe I need to do yeah. something about this. Um, yeah, exactly. So, um, next, my last question for this section mm-hmm. um, is about your time as the president of the Hema Alliance. Now, for those people listening, the HEMA Alliance, tell us what the HEMA Alliance is, because it's, it's only in North America. It's not worldwide. They, yeah, 
The HEMA Alliance is a 501c3 nonprofit organization uh, dedicated to providing liability insurance for U.S. only based practitioners and also providing a, um, a venue for instructor certification, um, which was global, but will be coming back down to just be U.S. based. Uh, so we are only uh, U.S. based. We have about, um, I keep saying we in the royal <laughs> we. It's fine. It's just a habit. Uh, I am no longer president, um, but we only have about uh, 3,000 practitioners. Um, and so, you know, in the population of the United States, 3,000 is mm -hmm. very, very tiny. Um, and I think that's, you know, that was at the peak. I know because of COVID, uh, their numbers have gone down. Um, I know clubs have had to kind of shutter their doors and, and don't want to pay for liability insurance right now because they're not practicing. Um, not everyone gets to practice outside, mm. so <laughs> because of weather. I was going to say, what's the, what's the attraction of, of, of an individual or a club for joining the Hemo Alliance? But then I remember you're in the USA where healthcare is really expensive and insurance is important. It's garbage. So I, I've yeah. been reading stories recently, and we were just talking about injuries and stuff. It's not like you, you can just go to your yep. healthcare provider and get affordable or free healthcare if you get an injury. So it's like... Uh, <laughs> no, real... no, yeah. No, liability insurance is like, that is mm -hmm. a requirement. Um, it's for... Uh, it's also it also gives liability insurance for events. So when you're uh, when you're an affiliate hosting an event, um, you can get insurance for every participant so that you are not sued yeah. uh, or found, uh, you know, found liable. Uh, yeah, it's it's really just secondary insurance so that if something did happen and your primary insurance kind of denied the claim, oh, then God. you would get uh, benefits through HEMA. Okay. So mm -hmm. what drew you what drew you to become yeah. or apply to become president? What was the draw? Um, so yeah, I, I actually, I, I volunteered in 2017 to, to run for the HEMA Alliance. And at that point in time, Jason Barron's was still president. And, um, you know, they, it just kind of seemed that people needed someone to help organize shit as someone needed as <laughs> like the HEMA just needed someone to, to start, you know, getting things together and providing support. Um, you know, again, along with the liability insurance, there's event support. Uh, we provide kind of just support for our members, like mm. documentation, um, links, a library. Um, but at that point in time, it just kind of seemed that there weren't many people running. It was a popularity contest. Um, and I just... Honestly, whenever an organization I'm part of says we need help, I'm always the first one to say, hey, okay, uh, which is, um, it's funny, I'm involved in local government now because because they ask for help you and I say, say sure, no. which, ugh. <laughs> ugh. yeah. And then, um, so I actually became president because um, it was just um, Jason's time to rotate off and into the board. And, you know, it kind of, um, I was eligible to run for president. No one else wanted to run for president. I felt that I was qualified and I would, um, you know, just support the HEMA Alliance however I could. And so that's how I became the first female president of the HEMA Alliance. Let's be clear, the president of the HEMA Alliance, just like all the people that work in the 
Team Reliance and everyone who runs a club, basically, and or mm-hmm. organises an event, does it purely as a volunteer. They're not doing it for oh, yeah. any Weird. other reason other than they love HEMA and they want to support what people do and make yep. it easier They're... for people to do. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the only reason. It's a volunteer organization. And, you know, there's been, um, since I've been president, there's been a lot of years, most years, where I'll, a few people have to say, you know, I don't have I don't have the time to dedicate, which is perfectly admirable. You know, knowing your knowing your limits is like, yes, thank you. Thank you for knowing your limits, Um, because it's important to just show up. Um, It's important to participate in whatever you're a part of and not just kind of being a passive, you know, talker or critic of what you're doing, but to be an active doer, to actively support the people trying to get shit done um, is just like. I, I think that's taken a lot for granted lately and um, it's, it's, uh, it's causing a lot of burnout. I tell you what it's in people's lives. It's like, we're volunteers, man. <laughs> burnout was the word I was going to bring out to you next because like, yeah, you know, everything, everything we all yes. do to do with HEMA with exception of paying for classes to go, like, even that is just mm-hmm. so that it's just to pay for the overheads. It's not, going into anyone's pocket right uh, everything that we all do yeah. FEMA is just for love we don't get anything out of it other than you know our our pure enjoyment and of course yeah the, you know there's there's stress that comes with all that organizational stuff and because you love HEMA mm-hmm. or whatever your activity that you're doing you say yes 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 I want to help on and I want to do and I make more things happen and yeah I'm saying this as someone who's always has multiple projects including this one on the go yeah. um what what uh, tips do you have for organizational peeps like ourselves to avoid things like burnout I mean that mm-hmm. is without the weight of the pandemic <laughs> on top of all right. the, those uh, little anxieties uh how do you yeah. how do you prevent reaching that stage we just want to rage quit. Yeah, and, and that is swords all together. I mean, that is <laughs> that's kind of actually what happened. Um, so I did resign uh, this past fall from um, from the presidency because uh, I was on the verge of a mental breakdown because I had so much going on in my personal life, and there was you know the cesspool of the HEMA Alliance Facebook. Um, I was being called a coward for not doing enough. I was being called way worse for doing too much. Um, And so, you know, it really took me and my fantastic governing council who was always supportive to say, like, how can I cut down on this stress? How can we possibly cut down on what we're doing to minimize the things that have nothing to do with the HEMA Alliance. Um, and so, you know, my first suggestion is like, get the hell off Facebook. I, it was just such, the HEMA Alliance and the governing council was routinely spending about 90% of our time moderating the Facebook group. And so when you're spending 90% of time doing moderating this awful Facebook group that isn't actually m- of the members were not actually members of the HEMA Alliance. It it was just, you know, kind of an open Facebook group. 
um, that didn't al allow us to do the things that we really wanted to do. Like, you know, I had tried to focus on um, creating guides for tournament organizers to use for uh, inclusive, being more inclusive to their community. You know, the, my trans non-binary and intersex uh, guidelines for community organizers. Um, we did not get to do, um, you know, we did not get to hire the Georgia Tech students that we wanted to, to um, create a club finder. We did not get to um, find ways to provide um, funding for uh, local clubs or for, for HEMA Alliance clubs um, that maybe wanted to find interesting ways to provide, um, you know, they, maybe they couldn't afford their, their gear or, you know, we were trying to find ways to get more people into HEMA. And when you're spending 90% of time on Facebook, uh, you can't do that. So I would yeah. say cut out Facebook. <laughs> and um, honestly, delegating tasks and asking for help is the most important thing you can do to prevent burnout is knowing when knowing when you've had your limits, because there were a lot of times over the summer that I just wanted, I was just like sobbing every day. And it was, you know, I was talking to Richard Marsden. He was like, you can do this. You can do this. Jason was like, you've got this. But I was like sobbing and I was like, I cannot do this. And so eventually it, it did come to the point where I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and I ran, I ran for HEMA president again this year because no one else did. <laughs> and so you know, another way to prevent burnout is to not just support the people that are actually doing things, but to know that, like, you are qualified to help the people doing stuff. Like, you, who don't think you're doing anything. Maybe you don't, maybe you just joined HEMA, like, two months ago. You don't know anything about the sources. Who cares? Like, can you help yeah. organize things? Can you do something to help support other people? And, and you know, in a position of leadership, knowing when to take that back seat and saying like, I cannot do this. We're going to have to just, I got to sit back and let other people do things. Um, but burnout is real. And there's really, it's, it's hard to say, you know, there's, there's so many things that you could do to stop it because there's not. Um, yeah. Sometimes it sneaks up on you. Sometimes you're just, you know, sometimes, there's absolutely nothing going on and you're just having like a personal health crisis, a personal mental health crisis, nothing to do with it, but you have to know when to say, guys, I'm having a really bad day. I just need a minute or I need a week or like, I can't do this anymore. And that's kind of just the easiest way that I've found to prevent burnout because actually, you know, I'm, once you take that break, once you allow yourself to take that break and to like, just, delete Facebook and Instagram from your phones and just sit back and think like, what do I care about? What do I prioritize is now I'm ready yeah. to help again. Like now I'm, now I feel like reinvigorated. I'm ready. I've I'm, you know, I, I told the HEMA Alliance. I was like, if y'all have any initiatives, I'm going to hype them like crazy. I'm like proud <laughs> mama bear over here. Um, <laughs> like I'm so happy to help now. Uh, but knowing when you burn out, because what, and I, I've, I've actually had that in my previous career. I completely burned out and there was no coming back. There was just nothing I could do, no care I could give. And it was pretty bad. 
it, it's hard when you're when you're on these and, people that are so passionate about what you do you're you, you're, th- you're throwing everything yeah. into it you're thinking like the harder I work the more I put into this the better it will become I just need to work harder yep. and uh and you know your your, your energy reserves nope. are limited um emotionally yeah. spiritually and you know physically just just you know you say like you've got yep these certain things within your tasks as the president to worry about and then another another thing comes along on top of that like a a personal crisis yeah something something's got to give you know it's uh and these things yeah I think that's how burnout sneaks up on you because you think it's only a little thing I can do that thing once a week I can do that thing every day it's just a phone call it's just a text it's just this it's just that and then they all mount up um so from what you yep. say like it seems to it seems to boil down to cut out the noise i.e facebook um something yep. i did a few years back was i because uh, i was like just completely locked up in facebook all the time in groups and stuff um arguing with people yeah. or watching drama unfold or messages going back and forth yeah and like, this is achieving nothing absolutely nothing it's got nothing to do with sort of anything it's just you know stuff going on behind the scenes so i I unfollowed everybody even like the only people i follow now i don't even follow my family even my my closest family i only follow my (laughs) my my best friend in tennessee and that's it and uh i just want to see pictures of her kids and that's it oh no groups no pages nothing in my feed it's just a few adverts of my best mate and her kids and uh so you just cut out the noise yep um delegate yes so find people yeah who are willing uh, or even just say to people how would you feel about doing this most people go yeah i can do that uh yeah i always yeah. love to volunteer people <laughs> you've been voluntold uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> um there's a comment down here connor dylan said yeah deleting facebook was really good for me and being cognizant of how much time i spent in apps that's a really good point um, yeah just scrolling, scrolling like dead scrolling and you know terrible people are going to terrible people <laughs> offline as well they're going to do it online and offline and <laughs> like how much time do you yeah. want to spend doing um, that it, 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 I, I can't so. delete facebook completely well I, I suppose i could but like as a as a as an organizer yeah. of events and an organizer of uh right of a HEMA club i rely on facebook because it's like the mm-hmm. most popular social media app on earth and that's how basically everyone is connected. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I need it to like yep. organize those kind of things, but I, I just minimize all the interactions that I have with people um, just so that yes. the drama isn't beckoning to me and I, I, I know whether I can uh, dismiss it or not. Um, and the other thing... Yeah. yeah, turn, turn off, off the notifications. notifications. Like, <laughs> cleanse your, your social media down to its essentials. Yeah. Uh, delegate tasks. And I think the third thing that you touched upon was to give yourself permission to back off. Yes. Because there's this terrible uh, yeah. guilt, I think, that comes if you're a doer, if you're a busy organizing person who gets a real kick out of organizing things, you feel like if you if you switch mm-hmm. off that flow of energy from yourself into doing tasks, everything's going to collapse. And it's yeah. and you feel it doesn't. It, it just doesn't. keeps rolling. It might not go as yeah. perfectly wonderfully as you want it to go but it will you right. know, it will go and and you feel yeah yeah it's not gonna it's collapse, not gonna collapse. That, that awful guilt that you feel about not doing the thing you gotta you gotta forgive yourself you gotta just say no 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 i can't 
run everything. This is an organization. It isn't right. just me. Um, yep. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, just no know limits. your limits. Just check in every once in a while. It's like, if you are crying more than one time a day. <laughs> no, no, exactly. It's, a, it's your passion. Like, it's your hobby. It's no. the thing that you love. It's not yeah. work even. It's, exactly. It's the yeah. thing you choose to do. Exactly. It's like when you're. No, when you're crying in the bathroom at work, that is a terrible yeah. job and you need to leave. <laughs> so yeah. let's, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, checking in and knowing, knowing your limits. It's, it's hilarious, actually, because my dad always told me that I burn the candle at both ends, like my entire life. And it's only, it's only been since my early 20s that I've finally figured out a way right. to turn it off. And now I am comfortably in my 30s and just very comfortable with, like, I'm not doing that. Saying no. Or, you know, I just saying can't. A, yeah, sorry. I, I, I've got up to a point where saying no to things feels really good. It's like, oh, yeah. so nice. I, I don't have to do that thing yeah. that someone thought I might say yes to. Yeah. Um, yep. And there's even, like, even hyping people up and giving an opportunity to do something that they never thought that they were going to do or be qualified to do or could never do is it's happened so often is like, I just, I tell people that they can do it. I'm like, you can do this. Yeah. Please help me. You can do this. And, you know, just giving people the tools. Uh, that's another helpful thing to prevent burnout is documentation because you yeah. can just send people links. <laughs> Google Docs. Um, but, you know, giving people the tools that they need to figure out how to do something that, they could, they probably never thought that they could do, um, like organizing and that, like being part of a national organization. Um, just, it opens the doors for life too. You're like, I am qualified for that job. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, uh, just about every um, successful job interview I've had is when I decided to stop talking about my career and start talking about my HEMA organizational abilities. Because then I'm not talking yep. about, uh, you know, dry um, resume stuff. I'm talking about the thing that I love. And it means that I'm talking about yeah. things that I know I can achieve. And uh, and it kind of lights me up to be able to talk about a thing that I, I know mm -hmm. I can do. Um, and and uh, yeah. it, it's, you know, it is a life skill. It, it's, it's, it, just because it's not paid yeah. doesn't mean it isn't work. Um Oh, so no. your your stint in the Hema Alliance uh, as as a president, what was what was the biggest challenge other than wading through uh, the uh, social media sewage uh, yeah. and reorganizing stuff? Yeah. What was one of the biggest challenges you had to face? Um, so I guess yeah, the Facebook was definitely the biggest challenge mm -hmm. of all time. And once we got rid of that, we were able to focus a lot more on work. And what we needed to get done, um, you know, some uh, another major kind of thing that we endured was, um, <laughs> um, you know, the anonymous blog posts that were just tearing each and every one of us down on a very personal level, um, not being able to kind of interact with that or not not giving it the dignity to, you know, but. Um, just seeing seeing what people say about you and not responding 
you know, just because we didn't respond didn't mean that we couldn't see it. And so it's like, I know what everyone said. Um, but once we got down to it, it was the HEMA Alliance has a pretty good amount of money. How can we find ways to spend this <laughs> uh, to support our membership? And so that's something that they're still working on now. Um, but it's, it's, you know, how, uh, how as a nonprofit can you spend money on your members appropriately um, by providing experiences for them, especially now in the pandemic is um, we previously had a, a pretty hefty budget for event support. And we had just reached, we had just kind of expanded our event support to not just uh, financially support events that are affiliates, um, but promotional. Uh, there was a pr promotional event support budget. So if you are a for-profit and outside of the HEMA Alliance and you wanted to um, have money for the event is finding ways to actually get to show support for the HEMA Alliance. So it's a financial investment for us. Uh, that was really interesting <laughs> to kind of figure out. Um, unfortunately, the first event that we had ag agreed to uh, was canceled <laughs> because of the pandemic. Uh, but you know, once once life starts getting up and uh, up and going again, is that'll be um, I think first on their you know first on their agenda is those event supports. And then um, having all the noise canceled out is how do you get more members how do you support how do you show uh that you are a valid organization just providing insurance for people um and what other kind of financial incentives can we provide to our clubs um you know really anything you, you, like you how can you send money uh projects that the the, the, the mm -hmm. uh that the alliance had or has planned that it's mm -hmm. like wow this is some really cool stuff and uh, the fact that it's all yeah. bogged down in uh drama and bullshit on facebook is just like it's, it's laughable really yeah um wait, well, I, yeah no one ever yeah. got to see what and, we were and, doing and one of the things that i am grateful for as someone completely outside of the usa that i benefit from as a HEMA person trying to spread the word and uh, evangelize, you know, about about our our passion, is whenever someone says, "I really wish there yeah. was a club near me," I can go, "Here's the HEMA Club Finder, and it's a yeah. fantastic tool. So you yeah. can just go click on this link, find a club near you, and they're like, "Wow, there's a yep. club in my town, or there's one here, or whatever." But it's it's just things like that. Yeah, I I think are so underappreciated. <laughs> Uh, the, the, and there's that's just yeah. like you know the tip of the iceberg in terms of what the Hema Alliance could provide for folks if uh, if if it was um, yeah. you know if, if it was possible. So that's those are the biggest challenges. What's mm -hmm. been, what has been the greatest reward for you as part of that organisation? Definitely, definitely working with everyone. Uh, definitely our biweekly calls. Um, where we promised ice cream at the next event, we're all together. Um, you know, just meeting new people from across the country um, who maybe didn't even think that they wanted to be part of the HEMA Alliance, um, just meeting people. Um, and, you know, kind of one of the greatest things too is, is finding ways to spend money. It's a challenge, um, but it's going to be a great boon in the post-pandemic world. Um, 
and you know finding people's strengths and weaknesses and really just highlighting the great things that people can do and for me it's been amazing to see people run again and again um to see the most um diverse uh hema board and hema governing council to date um just continuing to do work uh just continuing to do the work that um you know i promised that i would try to set up a, a shore foundation for the hema alliance and watching other people just take it and run with it and continue to be part of the alliance uh is just it's great it's honestly great seeing more new blood pouring into it people giving up their time to work yeah. for the organization um we are almost mm-hmm. out of time so i will finish uh my interview with you my final interview for this season uh i always end my my teaching sessions with uh what they call a, a star and a wish so what is your star <laughs> what's the best thing about um hema um, i'm thinking about thinking ahead into the future when you know the majority of the population is vaccinated we can start to uh meet up again yeah. what is the best thing about the hema community for you um i i really can't wait to meet together again with my own club um you know i've been i i burned out and kind of um kind of you know left left practice for a little while um but i really just cannot get i cannot wait to get back together with with dan and uh in the club and just say like let's get more people <laughs> uh and uh like seeing all of my friends and and chosen fam at events again and um you know it's it's going to be different but i just can't wait i can't wait to start working again and uh, what to, just to finish what is your wish for the future what what can hema do better uh hema's got a lot that they uh a lot to do better uh is i wish that people would be more empathetic and more uh less talkers less critics more doers more compassion um you know stand yeah standing up for your friends uh your friends your acquaintances that you don't even know are doing work Uh, really just being there for people is we have such a small community and everybody knows what uh, what everyone else is doing it's like impossible um and you know word word gets around of the people that are not great and the people that are maybe not putting in the effort and the the people that have made certain personal choices in their lives um and i think we can continue to work through that and just like let go let go of the noise and just focus on the things that you can change and the things that you can make better which your is your immediate community and your friends from across the globe <laughs> like across the globe you know who who else can say that in their hobby like i have i have awesome new friends in the uk i have awesome friends in in sweden like why not and just my wish is that people could actually start giving a shit <laughs> that would be frank what wouldn't it Um yeah yeah it was been an absolute pleasure really lovely to meet you thank you so much for agreeing to come and talk to yeah. me today Anytime thank you so much okay, friend Okay take care <laughs>
We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To show your appreciation, please give us a five-star review on your podcast platform or support our work by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. Go to at swordwomen on Instagram to see upcoming interviews or visit bythesword.net to learn about our events or visit our Facebook page, By the Sword.